This is episode 132 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 132 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Jacob Campanero on the show for the second time. Jacob was on the show on episode two. He was my first guest, and we talked about how he was doing private mortgage lending. Well, since then, he's really built up his business as a realtor with a heavy focus on commercial real estate, which is basically anything that falls under the commercial umbrella with the bank. So that would be multifamily, six units or more, mixed use, industrial, retail, office space, all that stuff. So everything that's not your typical end user homes and things of that nature. So Jacob came on the show and we talked a lot about that. We started off the episode with a case study of his Airbnb rental, which he's generating some significant cash flow on. And it's a property that he bought at a great price and he's managed to turn it into a real cash flowing asset with over $50,000 a year in gross income and over $1,000 a month of cash flow. One of the things that I really liked about this episode is we actually got to do a deep dive on the commercial buying process. So we finished off the episode digging into what to expect and what not to expect when you start buying commercial, when you get away from the residential and you start buying into the multi-residential six units or more or the mixed use in the commercial and some of the thought processes that need to happen because it is a very different process with some very unique attributes that differ from what you have already seen if you've strictly been investing in residential properties. So I think there's a lot of value to be gleaned from this episode, and I hope you enjoy it. If you're new to this podcast, as always, I recommend going right back to episode one and working your way all the way through so that you can get familiar with the concepts if you're not already an established real estate investor. A quick reminder that my cash flow spreadsheet is available through my website at andrew-hines.com. If you'd like to follow along and crunch numbers with any of the episodes, and if you wouldn't mind, please just take a moment and rate and review this podcast on Apple podcast if you haven't already done so and if you're watching on youtube hit the like subscribe and notification bell and leave me a comment let me know what you think of the episode let jacob know what you think of the episode just so that we can help more people to find this content and help them in their real estate investing journey thanks so much for tuning in let's dive into episode 132 with jacob campanero hello and welcome to the andrew hines real estate investing podcast i've got for the second time jacob campanero on the podcast jake thanks for walking 25 feet to be on this podcast (laughs) thanks for having me Jake's on as you work out of this office. We're at the, the ProFunds office right now. And um, it's been a while. So, I mean, not since I saw you, but since you were on the podcast. <laughs> um, last time we were talking just kind of about your private mortgage investing and using that to, to live live the life you were kind of hoping for. And then now you've kind of got more active in real estate as a realtor and also as a uh, investor. So figured yeah. we'd talk about it. Yeah, for sure. And like, I, I think... Uh... I haven't thought of this until now, but just when you were saying that, I was I was kind of sitting there going, "Well, yeah, I guess I guess the theme has kind of stayed the same about why where I invest and why I invest." Um, you know, we can we can touch on the on you know my day job essentially being a commercial realtor. But the last time we spoke, it was investing to be able to travel and live off of those investments, and now it's it's my investments are giving people the opportunity to travel and come to. Yeah. Um, some of my unique locations. Oh, yeah, yeah, because your Airbnb angle here. That's it, yeah, right? So, and, um, the, one, the one that comes to mind is your cottage up in Oliphant. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and it's neat because it, for me, it's, 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 I like to give people that experience, right? Like, I want to take those experiences I had, and I want somebody to come to my cottage and, and fully enjoy it. And, you know, you're right on the beach, and, uh, you know, and, and 
really come down and, and, and try to have those experiences that I was able to have. Right. So I really like that kind of customer service. Uh, yeah. Hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah. Hospitality is fun. I used to, you know, uh, what was I serving at weddings and I bartended at weddings when I was like 18 years old. That was so fun. Yeah. People having fun. Right. And I think, yeah, people on vacation, they're, uh, they're, uh, generally, uh, you know, pretty, ad- pretty adamant that they want to have a good time. And so I'd rather deal with those people than people who are angry and, you know, just, just doing whatever. So no, for sure. Like you get, you get, you get a good review. Right. And that makes your whole day. Well, and then the most, most important point for most investors is that if you're doing Airbnb, there's obviously potential to do a heck of a lot better, than you would be doing with a monthly rental, yep. which we're going to get into um, just the details of this property. And I know you brought an Airstream, so we're going to talk about that and what the vision is for that and uh, and then what else is on your radar. But then I also want to wrap up because I know you focus primarily with multifamily investors and larger multifamily. Um, that's an interesting take for this podcast. Haven't really done that um, you know, in yep. depth as an in-depth in focus. So I think that that'd be a good, uh, good combo for us to get into. So first off, okay. So the cottage is an Oliphant. So for anyone not familiar with that, we're talking Lake Huron, just North of Sobble beach area. Yeah. And, um, so you're right across the street from the water. Yeah. So we're situated, uh, right on the water. We have a, it's about a 60 frontage by, um, probably about a two, 205 depth oh yeah so you haven't so, even seen the back of your property it's no it's, well it's <laughs> most of it's marsh but um yeah so nice big property right across the water there um you know and and, and really just tried to accentuate the fact that you know you are on the water so was recently yeah. actually just up there for a little hobby building the deck or redoing the deck already you just did that last last year wasn't it bill so we built the deck last year and then i wanted to go up and, and finalize it because it wasn't oh there's a couple of things wasn't yeah. perfect yeah. 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 A couple of things that stand out for that property is, yeah, of course, it's right across from the water. Um, I think you bought it at the right time because mm-hmm. you got in or, like under 300 grand, right? To buy it. Yeah. So I was in uh, 260. And was the just describe, describe it as when you bought it because I never actually saw it when you bought it, but I saw it mid renovation, like totally gut. So, so the story on this one was it was owned by one family for, geez, probably 100 years. Like I found articles on the place and it, like, since the beginning of that area this one family has owned that cottage um and in the last probably 10 years they stopped using it it was you know dilapidated so when i purchased it it was actually an off-market deal um the realtor called uh called my mom actually and then you know she was like well i don't want it but like yeah carmen's always looking for deals so this wasn't her cup of tea but yeah and she's like hey like if you want it and i went in there and yeah it was it was it was rough, right? Like I kind of bought it sight unseen. I did a drive by, but the price just worked. You know, it felt right. And it's a small place though, right? Like, do you know is. the square footage? It's 780 square feet. And that's a touch bigger than when you bought it, right? Like it was like we did an addition. 650 when you yeah. bought it. So really tiny little place, a two bed. And then you got your own living area and a really nice bathroom. Yeah. So yeah, originally when I bought it, so it was two bedroom, yeah. uh, bathroom, and then kind of galley kitchen. Yeah. in the place right and really not a very functional layout the um to get to the back door you had to go through the bathroom yeah that's a that's so a no the, go. The, the main door to get into the house was in the bathroom so it was a really weird kind of interesting layout um you know roof was caved in anyway so when i bought it so i came in private money right i kind of did what i usually do which is the you know i don't want to call it a burr but it was you know i don't want any of my own cash into the deal right so we picked it up for 260 
Um, it, it appraised a bit higher than that. So right off the bat, we were kind of, we were ahead. So I was able to, between the cottage and one of my other income properties, I was able to actually get a private mortgage for about 120% loan to value. Okay. Yeah. This is, uh, you're securing uh, the condo you got, right? The condo in Kamlaki. Yeah. 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 So I was able to, yeah, I was able to use those two to come in with private money buy the thing with 120% loan to value. And then you had enough money to renovate. And I had enough money to renovate and do an interest reserve. Okay. So, so basically nothing out of pocket and that that's where it helps in your mom's in the mortgage brokering business. And she's helped me that way as well. Um, so those zero down strategies, actually, I think I've told the story. I got like 44 bucks back on, on the one property I bought (laughs) no money in. So she secured two properties and I got a check for 44 bucks. So that was cool. That's Um, that's a great scenario. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I actually found the check because it went stale dated. I never cashed it and I found it in a folder, but I'm like, oh, that's a good souvenir. There you go. Um, but anyway, okay, so you're in You're in for zero on that. And then when you were finished, when did you finish it? Was that in 2020? So finished beginning of 2020. Okay. So like January 2020. like Right, okay, before all the crap happened. Um, all right, so then you refinanced, I think, right away. You started that refinance process right away? Yeah, so we renovated. So rental, rental costs were 75000 Okay. So that included carrying as well, or was carrying on top of that? No, that was pure reno. So carrying was on top of that. So 70,000, you said? 75,000 reno. Okay. And then, so you said uh, 200 and how much? 65? It was 260 purchase. And I believe I got, I don't know, I want to say like 390? 360? 390. Uh, 360 like, is what I... And value? Yeah. No, is what I actually got the private money. Oh, so they gave you they, they gave you that much money so that would cover everything you... that And your interest. And okay, my yeah. interest, yeah. 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 Okay, so what was your carrying, do you figure? Like 30 grand? Yeah, it was about 30 grand. So it was, uh, it was 8% plus uh, uh, 2% lender fee. Okay, so that's... If it was... Two sixty to buy seventy five thousand dollars rental and thirty thousand dollars carrying that that means you're all in at about three sixty five. Does that sound about That's right? That's spot on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then what was the value you got at the end of that? So value at the end was it came in at four four fifty. Okay. And these are just spitball numbers. I can. Oh no, I know, but that's all I ever do. We're just yeah. we're just back of the envelope here. So at eighty percent. On four fifty, you're a three sixty mortgage, so you're in for about five grand. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk our, our rents on the place. So obviously, it's not as cut and dry as a, a monthly rental because you're primarily Airbnbing it, right? Yeah. So what what's the average month look like, or the average yeah. like what's the easiest way to do this? Well, so with with this area and with this cottage in, in in particular, there's a season. Yeah. Right. So I don't really go month by month, but rather season. Okay. Right. So. Um, Summer months, obviously, are the high season or the season that I'm going to be making most of my money in. Um, so during the summer months, I rent for 275 okay. to 300 weekly. Oh, like a nightly night, oh, by during the week. The week. Yeah. Okay. And on weekends, I go up to 350. Okay. So if we want to make an average for like 280 or 290 on average? I think I'm like 299 on average. So 299 a night on average and... That's for five months of the year, right? So that's like May, June, July, yeah. August, and, and that's, September. That's 100% occupancy. Like pretty well 100%. I just checked today, actually. Yeah, so it's you had 100%. no vacancy. I had uh, in June, I had one day. Okay, so so we're going to go, okay, 299 uh, times, um, I guess we'll, we'll say 30 days on average. 
times five months, and then we'll just say times 0.98. So pretty well fully occupied. So that's about $43,953 for those five months. That's and now what happens in the other- That's pretty spot on. Yeah. yeah. What happens to the other five or the other seven months? Yeah. So the other seven months um, coming into winter, what I'm going to call the slow season, um, you know, that area, and it's very area dependent, right? And And, you know, just bringing it back a little bit, why I invested in this area? And not in, let's say, Blue Mountain or you know Wasaga or something like that. Is is um, one, number one? It was the right deal, okay. And it was and it was location. I wanted to be on the water. That's my parameter, right? Is it or or it has to be on the water, on a river, facing a mountain? Like there has to be a landmark there. Yeah. Right. Because then in that in that way, the cottage can be whatever you want. Right. Right. So if you're looking at the lake, you could you could have the two bedroom, one bath. 750 square foot cabin and rent it for 350 yeah. right you're paying for the so water. location is making up for deficiency in layout and or... that's that's been kind of my strategy on is i'd rather go with a better location versus a grander house right okay. <clears throat> so and that's just me and everybody has their own kind of strategy no, i, there. I yeah. would prefer location too i mean provided that i don't need to have the best location but as long as i have a location that's solid and always going to rent yeah. Walking close to the water or yeah. on the water. Walking like, distance yeah. is good. Right. So um, the <clears throat> so and then the other reason was is because I did heavily look or investigate uh, Blue Mountain, Wasaga Beach and other areas around, you know, popular spots for all year round vacation properties. Um, but Blue Mountain has very strict rules. Right. There's actually a certain zoning you have to be in to have an Airbnb in Blue Mountain. Okay. And when you are in that zoning, you have to have a um, a license to do yeah. so. It's like you have to renew it every year or two years or something like that. Um, so they make it very difficult. And you have to either be grandfathered in or it has to be in this zoning. Yeah. And that was just something where I went, ah, you know, now I'm paying a premium for something that either I have to do it illegal, which I don't want to do, or I have to find a specific zoning and pay a, a huge premium for that. And Wasaga has the has pretty much the same scenario. Yeah. And well, plus all the fonts like the family area, like we've been going up yeah, there forever. Yeah. I know you, you've been going up there longer than I have, but yeah, that's, mm-hmm. it was kind of a, an easy decision in a way because you know, the area done a lot of stuff there already. So, um, yeah, so that's, um, you know, that's why I, I picked this area now. So in 2020, okay. I rented it for the summer. That was pretty much my income, what you had there. Yeah. Okay. Pretty spot on. And then I actually did shut the cottage down for the winter. Okay, and that was because I didn't have uh, an appropriate heating system. Now, it, it wasn't originally a three-season three cottage. Okay. Uh, we insulated it to be a four-season cottage, right. but didn't have the correct heating system for it. So yeah, because you only had he- heaters in the bedroom, right? We had, yeah, baseboard heating in the bedroom. Yeah. Right, and then so the original... Central fireplace now? And there was a, there, the original heating was a wood fire, uh, wood fire yeah. stove, and... So now what I've done, so this year I am going to keep it open during the winter. So it's a little, and this is only my second year running this cottage. So, you know, not a huge track record on this one, but we're going to see. It's going to be an experiment this winter to see what happens. So I, I installed a, a ductless mini split system. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah so electric forced air or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it heats, you know, heats up to negative 35. Yeah. Those are the good ones. They cost a, they cost a premium. Yeah. It wasn't cheap, but yeah. I think I can, you know run it through the winter so what we've been seeing is i know people in the area rent for about you know if they want to do monthly rentals they'll do 1500 a month 1500 a month for the summer okay for the winter or for the winter yeah Yeah. so 1500 a month for those seven months yeah okay and that's that's pretty 
Like if you just want to throw a throw a number at it, that would be kind of standard. Okay, so fifteen hundred times seven months. Okay, so that's uh, okay. So if we add that to the forty three thousand, so we're just gonna work through our gross rent. So that's about fifty four thousand uh, dollars a year. Yep. And okay, so roughly forty five hundred a month on average. Now let's work through some of the other uh, the other. Uh, Line items. So taxes. What do you What are you roughly at there? Uh, about twenty three hundred. Not bad. Okay, and then insurance for that ninety one dollars a month. Equals ninety one. That's good. Good price, but it is a small place. With that's with full disclosure about the. Airbnb. That's full disclosure. Yeah. I I made you know I made that yeah. evidently clear. Okay. Now maintenance. Now when I say this, it's normally I would go with like a five percent, but then you also have like toiletries and stuff that you have to restock yeah. and stuff. Uh, so how, maybe you put that in management. So maintenance yeah. wise, just five percent. Yeah, maintenance is is five percent, and I'm and that kind of chalks up to um, true maintenance, like painting. You know, a, a guest yeah, a guest breaks, breaks a plate. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, you know, yeah. The toilet paper holder gets ripped off the wall. Like yeah. you know, little things like that. Because the way I've set it up is is my cleaning fee, like Airbnb or you know, you always have these cleaning fees yeah. built in. That covers the re- the toiletries. So I do a three hundred dollar cleaning fee. Okay, my cleaning charge per guest is about two fifty. So every so the cleaner comes in, charges me two fifty, and then I have extra fifty dollars left over. Oh, okay, okay. So, so you charge it out at three hundred, mm-hmm. but it costs you two fifty, and so the two fifty got does a complete turnover and restocking. It does the cleaning and the turnover, and then the fifty will do the restocking for me. Okay, so so basically you have zero cost then on the restocking. Yeah. Okay, what are you paying for management, or are you paying any sort of fees or anything like that? No, so I manage it all myself right now. Okay, um, just the cleaner. So just the cleaner, which is covered by the the guests. So um, as far as utilities go, you just have um, electric. I'm there. just electric there, yeah. And what are you like, fifteen hundred a month or hundred a month on average, like twelve hundred a year? Uh, a little bit higher than that because my heating and my cooling is also oh, electric. Okay. So, so I'm I'm about like two forty, two fifty a month. Yeah. Okay, so two fifty mm-hmm. times. 12. Okay. So you're about three grand a, a year on that. And then management, we're going to leave at zero. Now, like any landscaping, like who's cutting the grass? Yeah, I got a guy who comes in. So I got landscaping for $30 a cut. They do three cuts a month. Yeah. Times three for the five months of the year. Yeah. And then in the winter, the tenant takes care of the snow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 450 a year for landscaping. That's a good deal. Yeah. You know what? Like the funny part is, is I didn't I didn't actually expect to come on the podcast. Like, you know, it was more of a short notice kind of thing. But I just went through um, all of these numbers like two days ago. I just went and updated my P&L, my profit and loss. And so all these numbers are are really fresh. But that's it. Well, I mean, we would know this stuff anyway, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We talk about this stuff fairly often, too. This isn't the first time I've asked you these numbers. No. But, uh, no, I know know that we've dug into this a bit. So those are... Those are uh, some pretty actually uh, minimal numbers compared to your compared to your income. What uh, have we missed anything, or is there anything else? So I do a fifty dollar misc fee, miscellaneous. You know, yeah. you never really know what happens. You know, a guest, uh, you know, knock on wood, this has never happened. But let's say a guest has a bad experience. You want to, you know, oh sorry, you know, the, the place wasn't to your standard. Here's fifty bucks back, or here's a hundred bucks back. Right. Um, you know, leave leave me a good review, essentially. Right. Gotcha. So I like to just throw that in there as a little buffer. Okay. Yeah, um, I usually just throw 500 in there. That's what I have in here for the yep, year. 500 yep, for the year. Exactly. 
Um, okay, so that's that's good. Now let's just tie, uh, punch in our numbers here for what you're in for. You're in for about um, well, you you refi at four fifty, right? Four fifty value. Yep. Okay, so your cap rate. Let's well, let's not jump the gun here. I'll, I'll calculate that in a second. Uh, so you did eighty percent financing, so that was three sixty at what interest rate? Two uh, percent. Two even. But yeah, like two point zero five or something with Scotia. Okay, so your cash flow on that is thirteen sixty a month on average. Yep, that's really sweet. Uh, cap rates just under ten percent with the Airbnb. And if you were to if you were to go commercial with this, you'd have a you'd have a really good debt coverage ratio two point yeah. seven uh, to one. And mine's my 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 kind of cash on cash return or my my ROI. That's the part that gets me really excited because yeah, there's basically no cash into it. <laughs> well, yeah, I was just saying this in the last podcast that I mean I get a smile on my face when I know my even if it's small, like yeah. if my property's paying me, especially if I had nothing into it and I created a system that pays me, it just puts a smile on my face. Um, that's kind of the way you want to do it. So, um, in terms of overall return here, so if we figure three percent appreciation, obviously with our government printing money the way it is, it's going to go up more than that, uh, I think. Uh, but uh, so that's thirteen thousand a year, and then if uh, your pay down on an average year uh, for the first five years is about ninety three hundred uh, on your mortgage, and then your annual cash flow is almost thirty grand, mm-hmm. which is absolutely awesome. Um, okay, so looking at that, your you're all in for, uh, we said 5,000 on that. Uh, let's see here. So you're all in for about 12,000 or so, including your like land transfer that you paid and um, your illegals. You're getting like a 420% return on investment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of, you know, those are the kind of numbers that actually make a difference in someone's life. You know, like that one property is, you know, is a start to something a lot bigger, I'm assuming. So now I know that that kind of inspired the purchase of the Airstream. Yeah. Which, uh, just tell me about it. This is where it gets a little interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I've been doing a lot of research into this. I am a really big fan of Airbnb investing. I, and it's not just the, the, the cash flow, although that's great. You know, it's, it's actually the satisfaction that I get from hosting a good stay from a good review. Mm -hmm. So it's not for every investor, right? right? Cause this it is very hands-on. This is not a passive investment, um, by any means, Mm -hmm. but if you get a good cleaner and that's probably the most important part is your is your cleaner because they're gonna you know they're gonna make sure everything's in check you know are any plates broken are the deck chairs in good shape or you know they're gonna text you right away and say hey yeah place looks really good leave these guys a good review right Right? so if you can get you know if you can get that set up you know you're you're good to go there but um you know i want to scale this right i want to i want to scale by at least two or three a year and this right. isn't my only investments I'm doing, but it's something I am actively scaling right now. So this year, with just the way cottages have gone and rural property and 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 all of that yeah. with appreciation and, and, you know. Well, everything has. But yeah, cottages, I think last year was a big boom. It was a really good season for a lot of people because no one was traveling out of country. So they were doing a lot of cottages. Yeah. yeah. And if that continues, then that, that looks really good. The thing I really like about this this particular cottage is it you know you've got a buffer there so you're basically you, know, you got twenty three hundred dollars of cash flow so you could technically afford to rent it out for you know about two thousand or just over two thousand dollars a month and still cash flow 
Yeah. Uh, and actually, you'd be, you know, then the tenant would be paying the utilities. So you could actually cash flow with a regular rental too. Yeah. So you've got a really solid plan B on that, which I like. Yeah. Um, part of it getting in at the right time and rents have changed and, and, and such. But well, and that's it. I'm always looking. Like I look at the market every day. Um, yeah. You know, I'm doing a deal for a client of mine right now, and it's, it's actually the numbers are going to work out very similar to this. Yeah. Um, you know, we're starting a bit higher. We're starting at about 450 purchase price, okay. 475 purchase price. But there's a ton of work to do there. It's mm-hmm. walking distance to the water. Um, so it's a really good kind of layout. We're going to try to mimic what I've done. Okay. And I'm doing this for him because he came to me and he's, you know, he's just been looking and looking and looking, looking at, you know, multifam and Hamilton and, and flips. And he's looking at all different style of investment. I said, well, what do you want to do right now? He goes, I just want to put some money into something, you know, just get an investment that will cash flow for me that I can just relax and say, okay, I put my money to work this year. Yeah. Right. I'm not just sitting with a hundred or, you know, 200 in the account, you know, worried about inflation or, or all that. So, um, so we found him this deal and it's, and it's going to work out very similar, but you know, other than that, I've been looking, it's been a very tough market to buy cottage and and, and properties to cash flow like this. in. so you can still find some land up there. You can, and we can, yeah, we've been talking about it. You know, do we want to build a team up in in that area? I, I know you, you know, already have a partial team. Yeah. Um, but everyone's busy, right? So uh, this is where I know we've been talking prefab. You know, are there alternatives to building where you don't have to get framers, um, where you don't need a drywall crew, where you can you can kind of put some stuff together a little bit easier? Because I have trades that will travel, but if I have to bring a drywall crew from from London up there, that isn't as as easy to do. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And there's you know and we've we've discussed it, and I know you know there's a whole bunch of options out there, right? Like people talk about it all the time. You go to YouTube, it's going to be a very prevalent search, which is going to be shipping container homes, uh, you know, yeah. log homes, prefab homes, right? There's a lot of, a lot of different options there. The trick is getting them to call you back. That's, that, yeah. that's been yeah. my biggest thing. Anyone I've called so far, um, you know, they don't know me from Adam. I guess I should throw the podcast link out there. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. <laughs> well, that's it. Right. Um, so yeah, anyway, so all of this kind of, uh, you know, and me watching some YouTube videos and on Pinterest, like I'm not, you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit more of a hipster approach or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I, I really fell in love with, with the style of like an Airstream trailer, yeah. right? And everybody's got that image of like, you know, Arizona desert, you have an Airstream, it's all done up. Yeah. Um, you know, and there is on, if you go on Airbnb and you just search Airstream, they pop up. Yeah, you know, so they look so really nice. You're thinking, just drop it. I think you got a spot where you can drop it yep. and have services, yep. um, and then you'll just be able to rent that out for a couple hundred bucks a night. And that's it. So the trailer itself, they're not cheap, right? Like I wanted an, an airstream, a, tr- a true airstream, right? So they're not cheap. So I was about twenty one thousand into the airstream to purchase. Did you do anything to it? Not yet. So I've purchased it. Yeah, uh, twenty one. It's totally livable. Everything works. It's really good condition it's just totally original 70s okay so twenty one thousand dollars into that um i was actually on a call this morning with a company out of hamilton that that focuses on restoring and upgrading vintage trailers okay that's all they do so um and i'm actually working with those guys helping them find some some land to purchase uh right now anyhow but um so we're we're going back and forth on quotes you know i want to go high end with it all right i think i can make some serious money with the trailer just looking at comparables. So I don't mind putting another 50 grand into renovations. Yeah. Right. And I know, you know, that might sound crazy to some people, uh, you know, cause it's not tangent, it's not real estate. It's rather, yeah. uh, uh, you know, but if it's, if it's income generating, 
then i mean and some people might rent it out on a monthly too like i haven't really looked into that you know what people rent an airstream on a monthly basis so there's one right now in kawartha's okay it's not totally done done but it's a nice trailer it's on a lake they're getting 350 a night on average 359 see that for a two bed so that's how i'd look at that i'd try and you know size up my risk is like how long would it take to break even on the investment on the trailer and then the other part like the you know the land that still holds its value but i mean oh you hope anyway yeah well yeah you know my my goal with that is okay so yes the initial investment into the trailer is a little bit but we're going to put it on a piece of land and i'm going to be able to pay that land off or pay it down right and then move it to the next piece and pay it down move it to the next piece and pay it down and you know, we can achieve those 350 numbers, then it's a no-brainer because essentially my investment will be, you know, $70,000 in total. Yeah. Right, with no mortgage. Yeah, so seven. I, the good question is, yeah, what can that what can that generate, right? Like if you're in for 70 on that, like even if we just forget about the land for a second, like say it has similar numbers to your your cottage yeah. and say you are making 2000 uh, a month, you know, how long does it, so it takes 30 months for well, 35 months to pay for itself yeah so yeah just just short of three years yeah and then, it, then it's paid back i mean forgetting about taxes for a second and and, and that stuff so well yeah and, and and you know there's kind of the other you know the other security i feel the thing that makes me comfortable about it is is you know it's a little bit of fun for me with this one yeah. right like this isn't going to be what i bank my whole investment career on is buying yeah. trailers and renting them by no means but let's say uh you know, stuff hits the fan and I want to get out. Well, I can hook it up to my truck and I can be down to Florida in two days. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So for me, I'm kind of, that's kind of my uh, get out of Dodge backup. Trailers aren't a new thing though, really. Like I I actually, um, recently when I was in in Florida, I heard a guy talking about how he bought a trailer park, best investment he ever bought. Yeah. Like in a community, like the tenants, he said were really good. He's like, that was, he was like actually surprised. So even just trailer parks, if you had a nice trailer, you yeah. bring it into a trailer park. I mean, that's still a thing. People still do live in that yeah. year round. Yeah. So um, I just haven't really looked into it that deeply, but I mean, it sounds like you would have a pretty solid plan B with that asset itself. And then you still got the land, which yeah, you could exactly. do other things. So, with. Um, yeah. So that's just, that's kind of more of my, you know, my, my hobby yeah. project, right? It's not uh so, so this one, do you have an angle on this one, though, for the land, don't you? Aren't you just going to be setting it on uh, a piece of land that uh, isn't yours? Uh, the, the, the challenge with the, air, with the Airstreams or any trailer is the zoning and the bylaws of where you can put it, where you can't put it. Right? You can't really just buy a trailer, buy a piece of residential land and throw it on there. Like, you can. People will have them in their driveways. People have them in their driveways, but it's different if it's a permanent yeah. structure there right there is some 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 gray area let's call what it what if it's on wheels it can move that's it right <laughs> that's it so for me um you know we you know the the family i'm gonna say we purchased a, a resort right uh, uh 36 cottages in total yeah. um that we're currently renovating and working on and there's some space you know on the water there yeah. so that's where this trailer is going to live that's awesome yeah. so and and it's not like you're taking up like land that it wasn't going to be used for anything else. You could just park it on that land. There are now there are some services there, so somebody else could have parked a trailer there. So are you yeah. going to pay a little bit for the use? There's of going the to services? be a rental fee for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so that works out really well for you. So I don't know what's a reasonable rental fee for that. Like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, like I'm going to like the same way I start with all my Airbnb yeah. stuff is is I, I do start lower, yeah. right? I give discounts for the first couple tenants, 
right? Come be the guinea pig. Oh, try to come out. rent yeah, out yeah. your trailer. So come yeah. try it out. So it's going to be situated on the beach with a fire pit. I'm going to do a deck out front, some, you know, some fairy lights and stuff. Um, and it's going to be completely modernized on the inside, right? So the outside looks totally retro. Yeah. Inside, it'll function just like the cottage does. Oh, that that part's amazing. Like people are just going to look at the water. They're not going to care. I, I'm with you there 100%. Mm-hmm. Like if you're on the lake water, you don't care. If you got like a two bedroom airstream, like yeah. you're just going to be like, okay, well, we're on the beach yeah. and it looks really cool. Um, like yeah. no joke. I saw in, in Maui, I saw for, for it was like two ninety five a night. This was a couple of years ago. It would be even higher now. A tent next to a porta potty. Yeah. For two ninety five a night, so um, you know, <laughs> location, 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 <laughs> location is uh, is the big thing. So no, because this is the family like sort of resort that that yeah. I know your mom's kind of bought with. Uh, I don't know if anyone else is involved, but I, obviously she'll give you a discount on your rent. Do you figure she'll charge you a couple hundred bucks, or I don't even know what the what reasonable is to park a park a trailer? Yeah, we're still negotiating that part. Yeah, so we haven't had, we haven't locked that. Down I'm sure completely. it won't be a tough negotiation. This we'll see family friendly deal <laughs> exactly. Um, but if not this, like just as an example, so the the piece of land that uh, my client I, I spoke about earlier yeah. that we're buying right now, so that's actually a double lot he's purchasing. Yeah, so you got some room there. You can do it too. They've already done a, a gravel pad and a hookup. Oh, nice. for a trailer. So. So just tying into their septic and then off their well, they've got the connection as that's well. That's it. So yeah. now you have almost two rentals on a piece yeah. on one piece of land right so you can even yeah. if you just bought the most plain jane generic trailer you could throw it up there for 60 bucks a night no problem i was thinking about this and i'm just going to go ahead and think out loud here um but if i had like containers or even better airstreams that's how, like you, now you've got my brain churning here um i would i mean for the like say i had to pu- i had to put a sewer connect yep and i had to do a well and uh and then electric, like somehow if I can get electric to it, like I'd almost be willing to just throw like four or five on it. You know, if I had a big piece of land that yep. could be away from the road, yep. just throw it on the land without a permit and just see what happens. <laughs> Worst case, take it somewhere else. That's it, right? <laughs> the best part is wheels. Right? Yeah. Hook it up to the truck and go. Yeah. Or, so. you, or if it's a container, you could just throw it on a truck and, yeah. you know, lift it onto a truck, take it to another site yeah. um, that it would be allowed. So, uh, yeah, I think the Airstream actually works better for that. If you want to take that gamble, if you got a couple of those and you're in a decent location, let's just throw some trailers on there and see what happens. Yeah. Even if it's gray area, yeah. it kind of gives you a little bit of a get out, get out of jail, close to free, mm-hmm. not completely free. No, and, and that, you know, that's that that style is really in right now anyhow, right? Like, you know, go to Pinterest, go to YouTube. Like I said, you're going to find tons of these Airstreams, tons of these trailers that are being remodeled um, and people willing to pay big bucks for it, so... So hy- hypothetical, like say somewhere in Wyerton area or Oliphant or Savile Beach mm-hmm. or something. I don't know how close we could get to the water anymore. Like land isn't that close to the water for most cases. Yep. But say we could find something within five minute walk. We're purchasing that land for say 170 and then adding in a $70,000 investment in Airstream or would, what would it take to get something really nice and marketable? Yeah, so it, you know we're not even talking hypothetical here because there is land for sale. Yeah, well, like I know rocks, yeah, rocks throw yeah. to the water for one seventy five, one fifty, one sixty. Yeah, right. Um, buildable, zoned residential. Yeah, right. So th- this is this is a real situation. Um, I'm also shameless plug here. I'm also listing a property on. Oh yeah, right on the water. On yeah. the water, seven fifty. Yeah. yeah, on the water, and you get you get sixty six water frontage by three hundred depth. Just a couple room for a couple of airstreams there potentially. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but no, say say you bought like I'm just thinking if I wanted to do an airstream, <laughs> seventy thousand, I could be all in. You think still? So you can. So could I you, still buy that? You think you can buy them still? They're they're hard to come by, but you don't have to buy an airstream. Right? Okay, there's so a lot some of, sort there's of a lot of cool trailers out there. Like you can even buy something new if you want. You can buy a like a like a twenty seven foot new airstream for probably sixty grand. Okay, but then 60, you, 70 it just grand. won't be decked out nicely. It's just not going to be. Like retro it's, or it's cool. not going to be retro it's not going to look like a you know yeah. a modern house on the inside it'll look like a trailer right right so so i guess the only issue here is not being able to finance it can you can you finance it or you have to take so the wheels can. off so out of the uh, like right off the the factory lot yeah you can finance them they offer financing so you can finance the actual trailer yes not the land so you could get one mortgage on the land and a more and a, a financing on the, yeah. the trailer separate yeah. blending rate you're like six seven percent or five percent like what do you think Land, you're going to be like 8%, maybe, no. depending on how you do it. Not necessarily, but yeah. Okay, so let's let's say you're in for two, 240 on that. And let's just say, hypothetically, you could do the same numbers you've done on your cottage. Taxes are going to be way less. You're going to be, because it's just land, so yeah. 500 bucks a year. Yeah. Um, insurance, let's just say it's the same as what you just said. Um, maintenance, we'll say it's the same. Utilities, we'll say it's the same. Uh, landscaping. We'll call it the same. So in this case, though, you're in for two forty, and uh, your cap rate is like nineteen yeah. <laughs> percent. So I mean, but now the the real challenge is with the financing. Like, what are you really getting? You know, is the Airstream financed over ten years? Probably. Yeah. So your average amortization on that loan is probably that, and let's just say you're averaging five percent. Uh, so your payment's relatively high. Now I don't know if you're getting eighty percent. You're probably getting like sixty percent overall. Yep. loan to value uh, between the two uh so you got to come in with a bit more like you'd have to come in with about uh i guess almost almost 100 grand in that scenario between the land and the trailer but you'd have 2300 of cash flow yet again yeah and your return on investment still looks quite good you know if you're let's just see here if you're in for 90 like 50 percent return on investment still yep. good yeah yeah and, and again i'm not you know it's not the I don't think that's the repeat strategy, right? That's not something that, you know, I'm probably going to repeat unless I buy a trailer park. I like creative. I like creative. I hate competing with people. I shouldn't say hate, but I I, I would prefer anytime I'm competing with people, I'm like, how do I get creative? Well, that's exactly it, right? Like, I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with buying that that multiplex, that duplex, that flip. Like those yeah. are all fantastic. But a lot of people go after. Them, but a lot of people go after, which them. drives the numbers down. So if you can get creative and do something like that, like that sounds like it's going to be pretty darn profitable for you. Yeah. Like I'm looking forward to watching it. Now, yeah, does it get a little hard to recreate potentially? Yep. But yeah, and 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 you know, for me it was you know I, I got the money from a refi. Yeah. Right. So I pulled pulled it actually out of out of uh, out of the cottage we were talking about. So we're actually, I'm actually in the works of refining that right now. Oh, okay, you're doing another yeah. refi. Yeah, so yeah. that's where all the money from the trailer yeah, is going to go from. Now so. your cottage isn't worth four fifty anymore. Now it's like six fifty or it's something. about six fifty. Yeah, yeah. That's there's the uh, again the beautiful part of real estate. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, so again, I'm going to try to be you know, no cash out of my pocket. Like the trailer wouldn't have made sense for me if I had to if you had start to go all forking cash. it out cash. Yeah. yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So well, I mean, I'll. I think it's going to be it's going to work out really well if if all market parameters stay the same or or continue to improve as they are. But it, it could be really awesome. Well, and and that's the thing, right? Like I'm not a doom and gloomer. I I believe the market's going in a, in a good good positive way. Um, you know, and everybody has their own opinion on that right now, right? So 
none of us know. None I of mean, us if know. We're, if we're going to be honest, like we just don't know. So because I don't know, I just like to cover my bases with a with a plan A, B, and C. Like, and that's it, yeah. right? So with the with the trailer, yeah. this the my thoughts were, yeah, plan A is obviously rent it, you know, pay it off, own a own a cool a cool, you know, nineteen sixties trailer, yeah, and you know, eventually go to the plan of paying off land or just putting it on a piece of land sure. to have some income. Um, but plan B there really was, okay, so, you know, inflation happens or interest rates go up. Well, I'm still going to own my trailer. Yeah, it's a hard asset. It's a tangible asset. I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, so anyways, that's kind of my, my plan A, B, and C there is is the yeah. fact that I can, I really can just hook it up to my car and... And you could take it to a year-round trailer park and rent it out if you really want. And that's to. it. Yeah. There's there is an alternative. You could sell it. I mean, in terms of affordable housing, not I'm not talking about government subsidized, but I mean, yeah. just like a very economical type of housing. I think trailers qualify. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's neat. So I'll, I'll keep you updated on how that one yeah, goes, yeah, and when it's good. finished up, you can be my first guest if you want. Wonderful. <laughs> I'll definitely <laughs> pop by. Um, okay, so I wanted to switch gears yeah. um, because you do a lot of commercial. Larger deals, actually, I think you're into the, you know, occasionally 10 million, correct me if I'm wrong, plus type of deals mm-hmm. um, that you're you're doing and you're selling. So um, I was wondering if you could just maybe we'll we'll kind of walk through the, the basics, uh, do's and don'ts. Um, well, first off, let's just start with yeah. the multifamily market slash commercial. Are you doing like commercial with actual like storefront and and commercial use or is it just multifamily? Yeah, so I... I my team and myself, we focus on commercial investment real estate. Okay. So investment's kind of the key there, right? Um, yeah. You know, I have a team of, of five awesome realtors, right? And we focus in the West End here. So Mississauga, Oakville, Burlington, Hamilton, St. Catharines, Niagara, all the way out there. And pockets where we feel it is a smart area to invest. Um you know, we're, we're a branch of a bigger team, which has 50, 60 agents now, I think, that yeah. cover all of the GTA and the surrounding, right? Okay. So that's what my, my, my personal team works on is investment real estate. So we do the, the duplexes, we do the triplexes. Um, but what really excites me and what I'm focusing on is, yes, commercial investment real estate. So on the residential side, anything, um, you know, six doors plus. Yeah. And on the commercial side, yeah, mixed use, uh, plazas, industrial, right? If it makes sense as an investment, we're there. Any industrial storage? Um, one actually like popped where, up. Warehousing? And, one actually popped yeah. up today, yeah, in, uh, in Oakville. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah you yeah. should uh, get me the details on that. So we're looking into it right now for a couple of clients, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard good things. Yeah. Um, there's, there's really high rent rates for those, but I mean, I've, I've heard yeah. they, they're getting more expensive too. That's it, right? The caps yeah. have really compressed there. Yeah. Okay, so so you're into obviously a, a lot of stuff. I know you've been selling some some larger multifamilies uh, lately. What I've noticed is there definitely are people on the uh, list, the audience of this podcast that are thinking about it, have only done residential. Mm-hmm. So off the top of your head, um, what are some of the things people should expect if they're thinking about going into multi-residential real estate? And well, maybe we'll just start with that, yeah. and then you know what shouldn't they expect. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, and, and outside of this podcast, uh, we, we put on a show once a month as well on, on Saturday morning, um, where myself and, and my, my senior partner and, and a few other realtors pop on and we actually answer, it's like a Q and a session okay. for multifam. So we can, I can give you a link. You can put it, yeah, put it in the show link. notes. Now that's a new show, right? Yeah. So this is a new show. Have you already done your first episode? We've done a few episodes of that one. Okay. Yep. Um, 
So just in case we don't cover what anybody or someone wants to hear today, yeah. we can always reach out to me and, and we yeah, can talk well, about we'll it there as well. Yeah, we'll put your contact details yeah. so they can just fire you awesome. a link okay. and then ask you the questions. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah. um, so big, big, big thing is, is you know, there's some misunderstanding and there's some misinformation in, in, in the investment world about commercial real estate. And, you know, so if I have a wide audience, you know, such as you, I, you know, I want to answer and get those kind of out of the way. When you're saying commercial, you're you're talking multifamily. Multifamily. Okay. Commercial real estate. Yeah. Okay. Right. So so the reason for everyone listening and watching, the reason it's called multi or called commercial is is financed by the commercial side, um, and in the real estate board, it's also on the commercial side, even though it is just exclusively re- residential. But then there's also under that umbrella mixed use, which is commercial and multi res. Yeah. You know, like a store with a apartments over over top, and then exclusively commercial and industrial. Those all mm-hmm. fun fall under that commercial umbrella. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now that we've cleared that up, continue. Perfect. On. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so one of the big, big things I get um, for newer investors or investors that want to branch into the commercial world, and that's really what, you know, my team helps with and specializes with. Um, so, you know, we'll take somebody who has a couple duplexes, a, a condo downtown Toronto, and we'll we'll break through into that commercial world, yeah. right? And, you know, sometimes it sounds like a daunting task or, or whatnot, but um, that's really what we help with. And so a big thing that, you know, right off the bat, you know, when clients call me up and they say, okay, yeah, so, you know, we want to buy commercial real estate. I'm like, great. You know, and I'm like, why? Why, you know, what's, what's the reason behind that? And, you know, and they're like, well, you know, we don't have to qualify personally. It's all, it's based on the property. You know, I, I just lost my job, you know, yeah. we're in a bad situation. So we want to buy commercial. So that's just something I hear a lot. And I want to address that and say, um, yes, with commercial real estate, we do look at the bank looks at the property itself to perform rather than qualifying the purchaser but they still do look at you yeah. right they still do look at your credit they you know yeah. you need to have income you you're can't get employed you're going to be personally guaranteeing <laughs> yeah. that anyhow so um and that's just a call i get very frequently so they want to buy commercial because they've heard that they don't it's not going to qualify based on their income yeah exactly. which that's actually a huge benefit it is if you're not meeting the ratios, but but one thing, you know, having gone through this process and I've even helped people get financing back when I was really focused on, you know, being a mortgage broker um, is they still want to, like you said, they still want to see the income. They want to most importantly see that you don't depend on those buildings to live. Yes. They want to see that you don't need to leach off the cash flow of that building in order to get by. Exactly. So if you've got a job that, you know, pays you 60 grand a year and they can see your mortgage isn't that much and it looks like you can live on that, then they're okay. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. more than that too, right? They want to see track record. Are are you a competent manager? Yeah. Are you are you an asset manager? You can hire a property manager, but they still want to see that you have ability to discern. Yeah, track. Yeah. Pay your bills. Yeah, pay right. your bills. Pay your discern. Bills, good credit. Yeah. Um, Make know, sure that thing you know doesn't burn to the ground. Exactly. <laughs> it has proper insurance. All those things. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, but that is the biggest benefit of commercial, right? So a lot of a, a lot scalability, of people, scalability. Well, in, in qual- being not being capped, right? Like a lot of these res buyers, um, which you know that's where most people start by buying residential real estate. Yep. Most banks are saying five five properties with us, and then you're done, or exactly. ten properties max, or ten properties with us. Um, and then some banks, it's like once you've reached three properties, you just won't qualify anymore based on the way they mm-hmm. they treat the ratios. And that's yeah. and that's where I kind of started, and where I I found my niche was exactly that. So I marketed to people who were maxed on their personal qualification for residential mortgages. Yeah. Right. So I was targeting marketing towards those people, right? Saying, I can help you. There is other options here, right? We can go into the commercial world. Some people didn't even know the difference, right? Yeah. Or, or, you know, some people hear commercial and think 
industrial plaza uh business park right yeah, like, they're like, oh, plaza. like what do you mean and like that's huge i can't do that right and i'm like no no like we can get you a two hundred thousand dollar you know residential commercial little mixed use thing mm-hmm. and still qualify under commercial okay right so there's a lot of options with that um and you know the bank what the bank is looking at is they want to look they're they're looking at the building they're lending to the building They're not lending to Andrew. They're not lending to Jacob. They're lending to the building. So they want to see that, okay, say a a tenant leaves, two tenant leaves, three tenant leaves the building. Is that building still going to be able to pay the mortgage? Can we still get our money? Right. Yeah. If if they have to repossess it, can the building kind of run itself? Because it, yeah, or, or at least support itself with its, with its income. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's so, so, you know, sourcing deals. Okay. That's, that's the next challenge, right? Right. Cause I mean, that's all well and good. We can say the, the benefits, but what a bank is going to use and, and anyone can grab the, the, the cash flow uh, sheet off my website to, to calculate your DCR, but most banks are going to want a 1.2 to one debt coverage ratio. Exactly. Uh, which if you don't meet it, like you, you plug all your numbers in and you do the 75% mortgage and you're like, Oh, my ratio is 0.9 to one. What does that mean? Well, that means you have to keep reducing your loan to value until it's 1.2. So what happens for a lot of people is instead of getting the 75%, they can only qualify for the 50% based on market rates right now because things are things are crazy. So yeah. this is what I was Bang getting on. at when when I asked what shouldn't people expect? Mm-hmm. You you tell me like is, is it reasonable? Like can I go out and find a 12 plex tomorrow? Uh, what am I going to pay per unit? Uh, is there a strategy for me to cash flow? Yeah, there there definitely is a strategy, um, and it's it's dependent on where you want to look, how you want to purchase, and how you want to exit. Right. So we, so what we like to do, so say you come in and you're, you know, a new buyer and you say, I want a cash flow commercial building. Well, I'm going to sit down and find out about your life. I'm not just going to say how much you have in the bank account yeah. and, you know, where do you want to buy? Yeah. Those are the simple questions, but I want to know, Hey, how busy are you? Are you a doctor? You know, are yeah, you, or can are you, you burr it or can you, you burr it? Are yeah. you home all day doing nothing? Or right. Do you or are you, hire somebody or are you, you know, nine, you know, nine to nine. Well, so you're, you're, what you're kind of getting at is there's two different types of buyers. There's, well, I mean, I guess that might be an oversimplification, yeah. but let's just say for discussion purposes, there's two types. There's the type that's willing to work, work it yep. and has the time and they're in this business. And then there's the other type that they're a professional and have no time, yep. but they have the money to invest in that type of an asset. Exactly. And those types, they're not going to buy the fixer upper, but mm-hmm. Are you not, you know, to, if you want to buy something that's completely done, and which seems to be the problem. In my mind, you had to buy, you know, crappy and fix it to get any sort of decent return. But if you want to buy something done, aren't you like pretty much at a 4% cap rate nowadays? Like in these like Southwestern Ontario yes. like markets. Okay. Yeah. That's, and that's what I was going to address. I'm not saying if you go to North Bay, you can get, you can get better yeah. deals. And that's, and we are doing a lot of that. Yeah. Right. So the biggest fear of people saying, well, I don't want to go north is because they don't have management. They don't have construction or, or contractors up there. Um, but over the last year, two years, that's what I've tasked half my team with doing is yeah. source those people. Go drive up there. Right. Yeah. And, and, and really do that. So we actually just put a deal together in Blind River. Isn't, yeah. Where is that? Near North exactly. Bay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's actually in between um, uh, Sault Ste. Marie and Sudbury. OK. Right. So right in between. And, um, you know, again, that was kind of the big concern is well, where's the property. It's a very small town, but it just so happens that we've, we've made those connections now up there and we had a property manager, we had the, the team to be able to manage it. So yeah, we were setting this up, you know, this, I don't want to say hands off, but we were setting it up to be a very, 
you know, or close to hands-off investment. What was that? How many? It was multi, was 50, multifamily? 52 units. 52 units? Yep. What price per door approximately? 85. 85. Right. Yeah, compared so to like go. Hamilton, now you're what, like 250 a door? Yeah. And now rent-wise in Hamilton on your average door, you can get what, like 1,700, 1,800, somewhere in there? Yeah, uh, I'm. I I'm really not completely confident in that number. I know it's in that ballpark. But. Yeah, like you. T- yeah. You know, t- again, in every building, every location is going to be a little different. Yeah, yeah but, that's but, a very gross simplification. Again, you know, you're looking at your yeah. kind of your typical purpose-built brick building. You know, yeah, it's livable but not completely upgraded. Yeah, you're getting you know fourteen fifty, fifteen hundred for a two bed. Okay, and let's call it twelve hundred for a one. Okay, but unless you're further south towards the mountain, I know the prices are going up. Oh yeah, most definitely. And if, and if you were and if you were a high end product, yeah, you're much higher than that, right? You right. can get into the two thousands. Exactly. Okay, so then if we go to Blind River, mm-hmm. what, what? How does that compare? Like, yeah. what kind of rents there? So with Blind River, we uh, we actually did market market rent comps for the sale, and we were looking at what we could do there. So uh, again, let's just assume you're not going luxury product, mm-hmm. but rather just okay. Let's make it livable. Let's clean it up. Um, you know, we were getting anywhere from about six fifty to about a thousand bucks. Six fifty to a thousand. So, so the rents are so, about half of what they are in in Hamilton. Yep. But you're paying like a third exactly. to to get the yeah. So so the numbers are working out more beneficially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is there some upward mobility there on on the rents? There is right, and we're we're you know this building in particular was actually really under rented, so it was a burr. Okay. Starting at 85 a door, right? Yeah. You know, plus there was some incentives. There was a vendor take back and things like that. So, um, so these, these opportunities, these cash flowing opportunities are out there and it's, it's about patience yeah, and knowing where to look. Okay. Well, what about like Burr model investments in areas out, you know, towards Niagara? Can you still find stuff out that way? And y- yes, you can. Yeah. Like, there's always going to be the 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 diamond in the rough, right? The deal that yeah, you know, isn't on MLS. But they're not a lot on MLS, right? They're like not anything no. on MLS is like yeah. snapped up, gone most of the time, right? I, I shouldn't, I'm not, I don't want to generalize, but oftentimes that's the case. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, with MLS, right? There's kind of you see kind of two things. It's either it's on for a really long time, it's on for 200 days, yeah. or it's on for 10 days. Yeah, and, and that would just be maybe somebody fishing for you know a really high price, or the project property is really bad if it's yeah. sitting. And and hey, like you know, just saying that um, some of some of great deals we've done um, have been done on MLS with a product that's been sitting for two hundred okay. something days, and it's just everyone you know we came in with the offer that we thought would work. Yeah, and who knew they took it right? Okay, like, no, you know, people get worn down too. They do. It's deal fatigue. Yeah. Right, like I don't know if you ever talked about the the Edinburgh property. Uh, yeah, I think Jordan I came on yeah. and you guys talked about. Yeah, it? we talked yeah. about it yeah, when Jordan was on. Yeah, so I don't know what episode that was, but that was one of them where that was on the market for for a really long time. Right, they, like, they wanted like one point seven. Right, they wanted one five. One five. Okay, one five. It was on for like two hundred days, then they dropped it to one four. Okay, and we came in and we're like, yeah, we'll give you a million fifty. Yeah, so right? you got it for a million fifty, and we're like, but we're serious. We're going to take it. Here you go. Gave them yeah. good terms, but gave them the price that worked for us. Yeah, and that actually happened in a smaller scale for me. This was going way back. Um, but one of the earlier properties I ended up uh, selling, I uh, it had been on the market for like 200 days or almost a year at 139. Yep. And I got the guy like the day he dropped it to 119, hit him with, with uh, 105. He's like, oh, no way, like 110. So, But did a yeah. conditional. 
and then go through and you know obviously like found some stuff to justify it. Yeah, so yeah. we're like hey we'll firm up now but uh well you know these specific things will cost us this much to fix and he's like okay whatever so just you're back it. at your 105 then <laughs> Got the yeah. 105. <laughs> so yeah. uh different market then but it's like it's actually insane to even say i got a, a single detached house in london for 105 yeah um it's a good story I love, the, that, I love those deals right that, that, it, that house now is probably worth after we're done yeah. with it you know probably in almost 450 now yeah. or 500 that's it right like you know don't don't get don't get worn down looking in the market Right. That's the first thing, you know, if you come into my office, the first thing we're going to talk about is your expectations. Right. And it's, and it's, I know you have cash in the account, right. But it's be patient with me yeah, and we will find you something good. Yeah. You got to find something that actually fits. Right. If if you've, if you've got cash and you know, you have absolutely no time, you might actually have to wait a little bit and yeah, that's costing you money because your money is losing value, but it's better than buying the wrong property. I would say. Um, Well, cause when, when I invest with my clients and, 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 I want the A, B, and C plans, just like you do. Yeah. Right. And I'm, and I'm, if pretty much if I wouldn't buy it, I'm not going to sell it kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Or I'm not going to buy it for a client of mine. Um, you know, so I always want an A, B, and C. And if I can't prove an A, B, and C to myself, yeah. Um, it's just not the right one. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to say, let's move on. Let's, let's keep, let's keep keep looking. looking. Right. And it's, it's, you know, and that's, and that's important with the duplex triplex world. That's important with the, with the commercial world. But do, should people be planning on that? Like, I mean, if, you, if you're buying a 50-unit building, how often are you expecting that, that person to be going there? I mean, I guess initially, like anything, like yeah. I would be up there quite a bit just making sure things were going all right to start. And then yeah. I would well, distance myself. Your transitional period. Yeah, the right? transitional you're always, period. And I, and I recommend that. I say, hey, you should be down there as much as possible during that first, let's call it, uh, yeah. few months. And then the first year, I want you down there at least once a month. Okay. You know, just having a look, making sure it's running smoothly, you know, yeah. um, Yes, we can vouch for the property management companies we set you up with, but, you know, we want you down there looking at the property too. Yeah, so. and I would say, I mean, no matter how hard we try or hope hope so, and anytime I give a referral, I say, I've had a good experience here. Yeah. I can't guarantee you will. And, and, and maybe because I think something's good, maybe you think that's complete crap. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. So I always exactly. put that qualifier yeah. on it. Yeah, so we don't want to send people yeah. too far, yeah. um, you know, unless they're prepared and ready for it, yeah. right? But if you want to go northern ontario there's some serious deals up there right now there are yeah and there's a lot of guys flocking up there but i mean it takes time you know a couple of years for for windsor to kind of go from being a really awesome opportunity to not being you know such an opportunity you know the same thing's going to happen up there their their values have already skyrocketed compared to what they were but they're still so much lower than here Uh, you know arguably under the cost of replacement Mm -hmm. in a lot of those markets which is a big thing for me if i can buy under the cost of replacement and i know that there's a diverse stable economy i'm interested yeah because the infrastructure's there sewers sanitary um you know you've got your your all your utility connections that stuff costs a lot of money to put in cities aren't just going to walk away from that so people will stay uh just because they need a place to live you know it's expensive down here they say ah we'll move north if you don't mind the cold yeah and yeah and even you know Again, within the birth strategy or the long-term hold strategy, there's also your exit plan, right? Yeah. So if, if, okay, so we're buying up north because we know they're gonna, it's going to keep climbing up there for the next, you know, five years and maybe plateau at some point. Um, you know, again, no crystal ball, but yeah. we can kind of estimate what's going to happen. So if we, you know, why don't we get you in there, buy that 52-unit building, turn a few units over, and in three years or two years, let's sit back and reassess and... Yeah. Hey, maybe at that time it makes sense. Let's either refi or sell and let's go back into that Hamilton market and now pick you up that one that two years ago was unattainable. 
Oh, you're just saying down payment size. Yeah, yeah. everything, okay. right? And so, so can you get a bit better deal if you can buy higher price point? Like, are the are I the larger ones can. going a little bit better cap rates for the for the buyer? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's just less competition. Yeah, because less people can right. afford to when buy. You get, when you get into ten million, the crowd kind of thins out. Yeah, there's you very see, few. People you see who the can same Bob yeah. and Toms, you know, yeah. come around every once in a while. So, um, most definitely, right, and even coming into the commercial world. Uh, okay, so a couple of quick things just about differentiating factors. Um, what have you seen working for people optimizing their cash flow? Is there any like tricks or obvious things that people, even not so obvious things, that people should do to optimize cash flow with their multifams? Yeah, so. Okay, obvious is increase rents. Yeah, right, and and which is done by making your place nicer, burr, the burr type stuff. The, okay. the burr, right, and 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 the million dollar question is okay. How do we how do we turn over tenants? And well, I've also heard though, even just like making your lawn and common areas much nicer attracts better people. And that's yeah. and that's what I was going to get to. So the obvious is increase rents. Okay, the not so obvious or or the ways that I really, you know, tell my clients about, and when we're when we're breaking down a performa, you know. Yes, obviously there's the hard numbers, but there's also submetering. Submeters, right? like okay. I know, I know some some bigger investors that I work with, and they just went through, and yeah, it was a big investment, but they submetered water for every yeah. single building they owned. Yeah, and I actually right. just got set up with a submeter for my uh, my London duplex, and uh, that's the one where I couldn't get separate meters. Yep. and it's online read, so it's on Wi-Fi. And they are the company I bought the submeter from. They'll actually do the billing. They will actually bill back the tenants for the amount if I want them to. But it's a hundred dollar flat fee, and it doesn't make sense for me to do that right now. But for a larger building, exactly, you get fifty two units. Now all of a sudden, right. you know, fifty two bills. You don't want to be doing that. Exactly. Now you can get them. They'll they'll calculate it. They'll bill it back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, this guy was had every bill coming to him. The owner of this building of the fifty two unit, and I spent. A very long night with my assistant and I. We went through fifty-two yeah. units, 12, 12 bills each. Yeah, <laughs> trying to actually get the real numbers for this to confirm the numbers. Bill. Oh yeah, man, so even just organization. Point. You know, I love organization, and that's yeah. you know. So, but yeah, little things like that, like you said, landscaping. Plant some flowers out front. Yeah, right? make like, it make it look nice. Make it a nice building. You can have you can have a couple worse off units in a really nice building and, yeah. and, you know, and still attract better tenants. But it's when yeah. you let the common areas get dingy, when you let the exterior, yeah. you know, get run down is when it's going to, you're going to find it hard to get those higher rents just on natural. Turnover. So it's not just about turning over the units. Um, another thing that I know I've got this from you. And of course, obviously uh, I've heard this back in the day as well, but the, but the CMHC strategy where you go in, you buy it, yeah. um, with conventional financing or with private financing and then spend a year getting realistically yeah. 11 months, 10 months to a year um, getting CMHC financing, which allows you to, I think you can get amortizations even up to 50 years. 40, 40, 40 45 for sure. is the best I've seen. Okay. So 45. They may claim 50. I yeah. haven't seen it. Right. And right. Because they would have few. to show useful life of the building at least that. Yeah. So sometimes the appraiser won't say that it's good for that. So they won't do it. Exactly. But, um, but now all of a sudden though, yeah. you're getting better interest rates. So you're getting down into the low twos with a 45-year AM or a 40-year AM. Um, Now, all of a sudden, a building that didn't make sense, didn't cash flow, does. Yeah. So that's that's a big thing, especially if you can buy bigger stuff because it's worth the hassle, the headache of going through with CMHC, which is just a tedious process. Well, that's a lot of what what a lot of the big guys are doing, right? The guys that are buying 200 doors a year, 300 doors a year that's exactly the strategy is let's get in, let's give them the, let's give them the terms they want to get the price we want. Yeah. Right. So on the purchase, you know, we don't need 
45, 60 day due diligence to try to go through conventional financing. Yeah. Right. Let's not bother with that. Let's give them the quick closing. Let's get, the, let's get the, the, the DD terms down and get the price we want off the bat. Once it's secured, we can close with private. We can close with a bridge, right? There's options here. Yeah. And at that point, like you said, then we sit back and go, okay. But when you say private or a bridge, you just mean some sort of private financing temporarily. Yeah. There's also like, you know, uh, there's other banks that will do bridges for that. But what's the difference? Uh, Oh, you're just saying like a short-term conventional loan? Yeah. A short-term conventional with the bank you're going to go do CMHC with. Oh, okay. So they understand you're going to apply for CMHC, but they'll let you. Okay. Yeah. So they, they so, will in the, bank, in the bank differentiate that. Yes. And different banks have different terms. Yeah. I don't want to throw names out because I don't know if their policies have yeah. changed, but I know we have done it yeah. with a few of the bigger sure. CMHC lenders. And, and so we've done the bridge on the purchase yeah. for a year, year and a half. And then that rolls into the okay. CMHC that they're already working on. Okay. Right? That's really interesting. So that's something I got to do a little bit of digging on and mm-hmm. see how that works. Um, some other things that I think we should just make sure is on the record here so uh when you're buying commercially like there are people that try and get or conventionally have gotten um 60 days for a financing condition because it legit takes that long to get your approval so your five ten day business ten business day thing that ain't gonna work unless you go private so this is the thing in this market a lot of sellers aren't gonna want to sign that they're gonna say well there's demand everywhere for this product i don't need to give you 60 days so this is where people are gonna now either go private or take the risk right um something like obviously we can't recommend people do you know desperate times sometimes in a market for me my strategy would be go go in private and then work really aggressively on a refinance yeah Yeah. just because otherwise like you're gonna miss out i personally yeah and and again just just you know i also want to throw out there that you know you want to make sure the building you're buying is a cmhc financeable or or cmhc insured you still have to do your due diligence like you can still do it like what's reasonable now like if you wanted to buy like a eight unit at 250 a door like how long can you tie that up (laughs) you have to go firm to get it because there's a lot of buyers in that pool it just it depends where you're buying right like hamilton um we're seeing very little conditions yeah 10 days firm like we sold one last so uh, people are still getting some conditions through uh, like very, short conditions very limited yeah yeah because you're gonna want to get an engineer in there you're gonna want to make sure that the environmental checks out there's yes. no environmental concerns um structural things like you know if you if you had a good team you can fix them yeah. um but you're gonna want to make sure there's no contaminants that, that's probably the biggest thing yeah. and uh you know no one was murdered there you yeah. know things like stigma that. yeah yeah well and, and, and a nice strategy you know we use is is um, we'll do your short conditions, right? So we'll do the 10 days, 15 days. Yeah. Um, but it starts once you give us the DD items, the due diligence items. Okay. So our, like you're saying your buyer our 10 tells day, you what they need. Our 10 day due diligence starts once I get 12 oh. months tax or, you know, tw- a year tax, 12 right. months water, 12 months gas. Okay. So you outline what the items are and then, so the condition period yeah. doesn't start until they give it to you. Exactly. Okay. Well, Cause you know, yeah. What's the incentive for them to supply right. us quickly, right? We yeah. could be we could be ten days into a fifteen day de, you know due diligence cycle, and yeah, and the seller's still scrambling to get the the documents together. So to clarify this for anyone not following, so Jake's saying, well, if we're if we're buying it, we're going to put conditions that you know we have fifteen days to review tax bills and and utility bills, but the seller might not actually give it to you until. 15 days in and then you don't have any time and your your conditions up so uh put the onus on the seller by saying we'll start the clock when when you actually give us those documents yeah just and just yeah. little things like that right like you can structure it to be competitive in this market um but yeah you do you know in in, in the big big stuff like we're talking you know 
10 mil, 11 mil, 13 mil, you know, what sky's the limit. Yes. Some deals are going to have that 60 business. Those day are more likely to get right? those conditions because like you said, the pool's a lot smaller. Anybody coming into that is usually not buying cash. It's again, it's, who are you competing with? And it's all supply and demand at the end of the day. So if there's a bunch of people going after it, it's almost like your strategy needs to change. That's it. Or you go into a different market where there aren't that many people going and, after And that's it. the biggest thing, right? And whether you're looking at commercial, you're looking at residential, the basics will make sure happens, right? You're, you're going to make sure that the debt, the debt coverage ratio is 1.2. Yeah. Right. Or you have, or we'll explain. Or you can come in or with a difference. You need a bigger yeah. down payment and you need yeah. the cash to do so. But it's the, it's the, how do you even get your foot in the door in this type of market? And that's the thing where you need to get a little bit creative with, with how you do things. And, 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 you know, that's where the strategy really takes place. Okay. Um, anything else that we didn't cover? I was going to say, um, lawyers expect to pay more. There's going to be more lawyers too. Uh, especially if you go uh, with bank financing, the bank gets its own lawyer. You don't share that lawyer. So you're, but you're paying for it. But you're paying legally. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I guess just to kind of cover expenses, right? So the the expenses off the bat so you know you're going to come in with your deposit okay that's given right there's a deposit you have a deposit but then yep. you're going to also have to pay uh your appraisal is going to be more if you're getting an appraisal up front yeah. so a commercial appraisal and it depends who you use but you know just as a case study on a building we're, we're doing right now so a commercial appraisal with 2500 dollars. yeah okay so right off the bat that was the first thing we did yeah okay commercial appraisal because we need it you're not going anywhere without it um and then because of the type of building and where it's located, we needed to do a phase one environmental. And so the buyer's doing that. Yep. $3,500. Yeah. Those get expensive and they can take time. They take up to 30 days. Yeah. yeah. Um, building condition analysis. So, so not just a, a structural engineer. Out but it's there. a structural engineer that's going to come through the building. And the bank and, wants that too, right? Sometimes they do. I really like that. Like just, if you're, for, just for if your you're own peace of mind. Yeah. Something, do the appraisal in the, in the building condition if you don't need cool. to do the environmental, right? But it, yeah. the bank pretty much dictates what they want to see. Yeah, and those so are the that's actually three. the nice thing is like you can kind of use what the bank asks for as a bit of a guide to like, hey, if the bank's asking for this, I should probably be asking for it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the bank's not going to invest or put their money into something that's going to fail. Yeah. Right. So that's another nice thing about it is that, you know, they're they're doing the due diligence for you essentially. Yeah. Right. Because they're going to say, well, we need to see all the tax bills, everything. Right. Like the right. same thing right. you want to see, the bank wants to see. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. It's so that that's obviously the good part of that. Um, yeah. But I mean, for somebody who's just getting started, you know, if they have to go the private the private route, then they really got to do their due diligence and know what the bank is asking for. But I mean, of course, you've dealt with that, so you can uh, with your clients, you obviously uh, show them, hey, these are the typical things we see, and then yeah, it's just experience with everything, yeah. right? You want yeah. the more deals you do, the more comfortable you're going to get with going. Yeah. You know, going firm or going very little conditions and, and, and whatnot. And yeah. You, sh- you shouldn't go firm unless you're very confident. No, I would doing. never, yeah. you know, I would never yeah. recommend it unless it's a slam dunk deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unless you have contingencies, right? To me, it always comes back to what are my contingencies? Because I always, you know, generally we love our plan A. Yep. <laughs> if you don't, why are you doing the deal? Exactly. But it's what, what's your plan B and C? Yeah. So that's that's the big difference, right? We can get all up on it about, you know, hey, this Airbnb strategy works great, but what's plan B and C? Yeah. Well, yeah, like, you know, that cottage we talked about originally, yeah. the Airbnb. Um, I went firm on that. Yeah. Right? 260 firm. It was and, a great price. Because I was like, okay, so what could be wrong? Okay, septic tank. Yeah, you can fix that. I know what the cost of a septic tank is. Yeah. Um, the water is not potable. Okay, so we got to do a filtration system or, or we got to dig a well. Yeah. Dig a well. Yeah. Right. So they're like, I, just because I've I seen it before, I've done it yeah. before. I knew, you know, what yeah. worst case scenario could be. And it still fit within my budget. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? Knock so. the thing down and putting shipping container there. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, so there were some alternatives, and like that price point was kind of a no-brainer. It's a, a little yeah. bit different now. It's it's tougher to get things in that price point, but uh, I'm sure in two more years we'll be saying the same thing. Exactly. So, um, all right, Jake, where do people reach you if uh, if they want to connect or just follow you? Yeah, so you can. Uh, I have a personal mailing list, okay, which is called the REC Commercial Insider. Okay. Okay. Um, and I'll put the link to that. In you the can description. put the link in the, yeah. Yeah, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, you can send an email to jacob at recanada.com. Isn't it Jacob C? Both work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Jacob C or Jacob at recanada.com. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll put that in the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you can, you can go on to our website as well, which is just recanada.com. Um, and you can see everything there as well. Perfect. Okay. And then any closing words of wisdom for people thinking about taking that plunge into multifamily or, or their Airbnb or whatever? Listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug, but uh, it's, it's true. Like a lot of people that come and talk to me, you know, whether they're ready, you know, a lot of people just call and say, Hey, I'm not ready yet, but you know, yeah. where do we start? And I'll be like, Hey, go listen to podcasts. Yeah, actually, that's a good question. So you're going to have some content. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me, like even, even with my like coaching students or whatever, uh, when I, when I have the ability to take them on, I'm always like, have you listened to like the first 20 episodes of my podcast? Cause we shouldn't waste that time. Like you should make sure you've listened to that so we can make the most out of the time. Yeah. Like, is there, is there a resource they can review if they're, if they're interested in calling you to talk about multifamily that they can kind of brush up first? Yeah. So, um, a resource we have and the team has is the actually is the rec experience podcast okay um i can actually link specific episodes that discuss multifam and, and what you need to be and how you prepare yourself to get into okay. it um uh we do the like i said every month we do uh, a yeah, brunch so the saturday brunch so your brunch there okay. and um that's pretty much a you know 20 minute segment of the hot topic of the of the month okay but then it's going to be q a Okay. Right. And I love Q and A. And you're, like, you're focusing on commercial multifamily on that one. Yeah. So we're well. live yeah. and we just do any questions you have, throw them out there and we'll answer them. Right. Rapid. So you can, you can hop on there as well. Um, you know, big announcement. I'm starting my own podcast. Yeah. That's what you were um, mentioning. Right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's in the works. I have uh, one episode booked. We're going to film it later this month. Okay. Um, but that is going to be, you know, commercial real estate investing. Okay. And adjacent, what you know, wherever that. Yeah, goes, well, so that that'll be a really great resource to people kind of wanting to focus in on this. Yeah. I'm sure you get uh, you get a few more. Um, yeah, you know, and, investors and, focused. And on with that. that one, like as it as it goes down the road, like I do have kind of a roadmap for it. And as it goes down the road, I want it to be a, a more of a free topic kind of podcast, but yeah, um, about real estate. But when we start, I want to do the first three four months of how to prepare yourself to buy commercial real estate. Yeah. Just, you know, bridging the knowledge gaps, I think is, is critical so that everyone's on the same page when you're, when you're looking for stuff and, and finding properties. And I think it, it just helps to be prepared. So yeah, yeah, that's good. That's what I was driving at that. Cause it, it, commercial is so different. I know I've talked about it a bunch on this show, but it's not our main focus. Like we get into it, of course. Uh, but, uh, it's always nice to niche in. Okay. Anyways, Jake, thanks. Thanks for, uh, for making the trip over across the office. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, yeah, it's always a great, <laughs> uh, great talking to you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. <laughs>